Hello and welcome to another episode of Who Knew in the Moment the Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Friedrich, and today I'm honored to have CJ Finley. Uh, CJ is the founder of Thrive on Life. Super excited for you guys to listen to his story, the impactful moments that led him to where he's at. Hello and welcome to another episode of Who Knew in the Moment, the podcast. Today, I am honored to have CJ Finley with me. Uh, CJ is the founder of Thrive on Life. And two interesting things uh, as I was getting to know his story. One, and I don't think I'll ask him to demonstrate today, but the guy does backflip burpees. I mean, like I don't, I, burpees are like unenjoyable enough, let alone backflip burpees. So uh, we might have to save a demonstration for later on. But then two, uh, one of his favorite quotes, and I want to read it, is tomorrow's greatness is dependent on today's pressure or presence. And so I love that. Um, and I think that's probably going to lead us to a lot of uh, where CJ's been. So CJ, thanks so much for being on today, brother. No, this is amazing. Thank you for having me on, Phil. I'm extremely excited for this and just, as always, uh, thankful for the opportunity. You betcha. So let's kick it off in our younger years. Um, a sport that you latched on to quickly was soccer. So talk a little bit about, um, you know, getting to play soccer and, you know, maybe the elements of soccer where there's the individual aspect of it, but there's also very much a team aspect of it. Yeah, I, I love that question. And I guess I'll dive into how soccer in the first place. Yeah. Um, I was actually like a five sport athlete prior to soccer. Um, and it, what, soccer wasn't even my, my best sport. I actually was better at hockey. Um, but as I got older, the pressure to kind of like conform to one sport and then put your time into one thing to get scholarship uh, was definitely there. And at the time, my soccer team was the one that was winning. So I'm, <laughs> I'm very competitive uh, as an adult. And as a kid, it was even more competitive because I didn't yeah. really understand like self-competition. Self I, I like really just wanted to win like, like yeah. at all costs. Um, and my soccer team was the one that was winning. So I decided to give up everything else besides soccer. Um, but I'm, I'm grateful that I did because just like the question that you had asked, um, unlike a lot of other sports, like there is 11 people on the field at a time and it's not like you get a player two off here and there, like it's constantly going. Um, yeah. so your ability to communicate and really learn how to play as a team is live. Like you don't have the opportunity to go talk to your coach or, or get some feedback or get criticism. Like you literally have to figure it out on the go on the fly. And I feel that is a really great representation of life, especially if you're an entrepreneurial world like me, like things are just flying around. Um, so kind of jumping into soccer and, and really playing all the way up until college. And then even a little bit after college, it did me well because it taught me a lot of lessons outside of just that soccer field. Yes. Now, as a person's growing, getting better at their sport, there usually becomes those moments where all of a sudden you start getting uh, phone calls or letters about being able to play at the next level from a high school standpoint. So when did that happen for you in, in your soccer journey? So it was an interesting thing because soccer also led me to probably the biggest love of my life outside of my wife, uh, which is going to the gym and working out. Um, I was a, a diminutive, diminutive human. Um, I'm still not that big, only five, seven, 150 pounds, but 
like I wasn't even a hundred pounds going into, into high school. Yeah. But I was a very good athlete. My dad uh, was a very good athlete. And I just like, I love sports and I've been playing since I could walk. So I was skilled, but I would get knocked off the ball and pushed off the ball, um, which taught me grit, but I wasn't big enough to really get heavily recruited. And unfortunately, I didn't listen to my dad. Um, he had tried to get me to go to the gym um, a couple of years prior, um, probably when I was about 12 or 13, but I was scared. I literally was scared. Um, and long story short, I get to my junior year and I was doing really well. And I started realizing all my friends were getting some D1 scholarships and I wasn't really getting a lot of attention, even though I made um, the all state team and things yeah. like that. I was doing really well, but then I started realizing like, okay, they're not, they're literally just crossing me off because I'm just not big enough. Mm -hmm. Um, so I asked my dad to put a gym in my basement and fortunately he obliged. And like, that's what started the whole path of like, okay, I'm going to start putting some work in and see what happens. Um, and fortunately I got recruited to go to a D3 school, but it was good that that happened because it taught me a lesson in life. Um, that just like things aren't just going to be handed to you. I thought they'd be handed to me based on just my skill, but I had to actually put some, a little bit of extra work in. And then I'm happy that happened because later on my path from the uh, corporate side of the world into entrepreneurship stemmed from people asking me to help train them. And I knew what it was like to like be scared to go to the gym or not yeah. know what I was doing because I literally lived that and I relished in it. I, I was fired up to help people kind of break that mold that I had broken myself um, because I'd literally put 30 pounds on me and gained confidence and was now not afraid to, to talk in front of classrooms and in front of my corporate job or stand up for myself. And I wanted to give that feeling to other people. So it, it really stemmed from um, just not being confident in my, in my own abilities and in to kind of combat that. I had to go about it in a roundabout way and solve some problems for myself. Yes. Now, while you're studying in school, you're getting your engineering degree. Uh, and we'll, 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 we'll get to how we get away from that into the you know, entrepreneurial space, but engineering degree, and you get an engineering job out of school, right? Yeah. So I worked at, um, even during school, I got an internship at a pharmaceutical manufacturing company uh, over the summer. So I had that two summers. And then um, after the third summer, I then worked at UBS Wealth Management mm -hmm. as a um, business analyst. Um, so basically just using the engineering degree to analyze data and help the bank make better decisions. Yeah. Um, and then I got hired by the bank uh, and I filled into like a project management role. So it was kind of all within the realm of like engineering, but I wasn't I wouldn't say like, I wasn't a principal engineer, um, yeah. purposefully, purposefully, I didn't want to do that. Um, I wanted something a little bit more, um, on the business side of things, but using the engineering degree. Um, so I kind of transitioned into working with data and, and people to kind of solve problems, uh, right out of college. Absolutely. Now you talked about, you know, there was nothing wrong with the jobs I was doing. However, I found myself just continuing to search for, we'll use the term fulfillment, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, something that'd be more fulfilling to me. So talk about what that was like, you know, going in day to day to a job, a task that's not, 
maybe I didn't hate it, but I just wasn't fulfilled by it. And what that process was to search for, well, what would fulfill me? So it was honestly really tough because when I think the society that we grow up in, we are so jaded by the rat race every single day. It's I'm studying for this and then I have to run to this practice and then I have to go do this extracurricular thing. Like I had zero time. I never had time in my life to just slow down and ask myself, what do I even feel when I'm doing any of this? So even though I thought I loved sports and I thought I really loved soccer, I look back and I'm just like, why the hell did I play soccer? Like, (laughs) like I like, I loved it at the time. I love my friends and I, but if I, if you would have put me on an Island and said, you could have done anything in the world, is this what you would choose? Mm. It probably would not have been the answer. And I look back and I'm just, it's not my parents' fault. It was not my teacher's fault. It's literally just the construct that we're put into. And when it came to my career, it was even worse because then you, then you're literally attaching money to something. So you're just like, do I pick this job because of the dollar amount? Or do I pick this job because my family thinks it's cool and it's going to get respect society? Or do I pick this job because I actually think I'm going to like this and I have potential to be one of the best at it? Nobody picks that third answer, right? (laughs) Nobody, no one. They're always the money or will make my family and society proud. And not until like literally when I got into my first job, and this is for other listeners out there is just like being able to like walk away, even from good is the sign that you're on the right path, even though it's painful in the beginning, because I remember my first job, they sent us to Switzerland for five and a half weeks and no other 23 year olds are getting sent to Switzerland for their training right. in their first job. Like it was awesome. Like free food, free drinks, like, like right on the Alps. And I remember being in this room for 10 hours a day and like looking out at the Alps through the room, through the hotel that we're in. And I'm sitting there thinking, I don't want to be here. Like, this is how, like, this is like all, this is like a prestigious thing, quote unquote. And I just don't want to be here. And thinking that, wow, I had just worked my ass off for five years at school and done all this work and literally traveled over here. And I don't want to be here. Why? Like, who, who, who's, who am I to not be so appreciative? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't that I wasn't appreciative. I started to learn, like, I was thankful that I had found out what I didn't want. And mm-hmm. I think yeah. not enough people are looking at their lives like that of like, as soon as you know that you don't want it, like take that as a, as something great, because what it eventually led me to was something way better for my life. And it stemmed from it on writing and in paper, everyone else would have been like, this is amazing. This is immaculate. Like you're getting the money, you have the access, you're, you're traveling, you're doing all these things, but I still wasn't happy. And that really got me kind of like looking in the mirror and saying like, how did I have an impact on getting myself to this point? And that's another thing I think people don't say enough to themselves is like, I was the one that got me there as much Mm. as I want to blame the system. And as much as I want to blame every other other thing, I made decisions that put me in that situation. 
I didn't have to go to engineering school. My dad, my parents didn't put a gun to my head and say, you have to go do these things. Like, right. no, like I did it. I, I spent five years doing it. And I can't believe like I, I could barely spend five months doing something I don't want to do now, let alone five years. So it was just an eye-opening experience for me. And I'm just happy that I had it at 23 because there's people that I talk to nowadays that I'm coaching that are twice my age, hmm. uh, double my age, and they're still trying to figure it out. Yeah. So let's break down a few of those pieces there. So one thing that I think can be really difficult for people is to make a decision that their inner circle or their closest people aren't fully on board for, even if they believe it's in their best interest. So in your opinion, you know, what are things that people should be looking for as they make those types of decisions? Um, you know, once again, your circle oftentimes is trying to give you the, maybe the safest answer, right? The thing that's going to prevent you from the most potential harm and maybe not always giving you an answer that's truly going to find fulfillment for you. So how would you encourage someone to you know, go about making a tough decision if their closest circle doesn't necessarily agree with it? So that's an amazing question. And one of the ways that I like to look at it, I'm a visual learner, and this will help people out there, is a lot of people just base their life off of one circle. Rather, if you look at a, like a triple or quadruple Venn diagram, yeah. you have overlaps, but then you have outside yeah. opinion and voices. So I try, I've always tried and sports has helped me with this. I played a bunch of different sports. I was in a bunch of different groups. I was in fraternities. So I got opinions from a variety of different people and influences from different things. And then I love to read and take my own courses and do my own research. So I'm always plugging and pulling data from different um, sources. And I like to look at my life as like the very middle portion of that is the overlap of all the diverse people. Mm -hmm. And I don't look for people to agree with me on all the different fronts of what I ask of them. And I think that's what a lot of people do is a great instance we're seeing in today's day and age is people like, I'll use parents for an example. Yeah. They're so disconnected from today's world because they have no idea what it's like to be a third, like I'm 30. They have no idea what it's like to be a 30 year old with an iPhone on Zoom podcasting. Like they didn't have that at 30. So right. like- it's just a completely different world. So for me to ask them, hey, like, should I continue this career in podcasting? Like, I can't ask them that question. Right, right. So the advice that I give everybody is it depends more so on what the question is and who you're asking than the actual response. Most okay. people care more about responses. I care more about questions, asking the right question to the right types of people, because I'm just not going to ask my parents hey, what do you think I should do with my career? Like, that's just not a great question. Now, here's a great question to ask them. Hey, I am feeling kind of down on where I'm going with my life and I'm not so sure. Like, that's a great question for them because I'm sure in their lifetime, they were at a point where there's like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, and they're gonna have a great response to, hey, this is what I do when I'm like kind of feeling down and, and out and unsure of myself. So it's just understanding that, each person can be valuable, but you have to be the one to take ownership over the questions that you're asking them. And you can't expect them to answer in any which way that you have some type of tie to. So that's the second thing I would say. 
I don't expect anything from anyone really. So when someone answers me, I don't have a tie to whether they answer me left or answer me right. I just take that data point and then see if I can use it in whichever which way. Very solid advice. If you needed advice about that, rewind it, listen to it, because that is good advice. Now, the second thing I want to break down of what you said is um, you, you would get caught in just running through the day, right? And not even taking a temperature of how you felt about it. I'm going to be honest, man. I still struggle with that. I still struggle with that. I like to be doing something. I don't, uh, you know, that the phrase of working on your business and in your business, you know, I, uh, I tend to find myself about 99% of the time in it, right? And uh, maybe 1% of the time on it. So how for you, have you been able to transition that? Or what are you doing uh, to be a work in progress to get better at that? So there's a saying, an object in motion stays in motion, right? Yeah. So we kinetically feel like the more we move, the longer we're going to stay moving. Yeah. Now, the beauty for me is like going to engineering school, I know the goal is always to have less input and more output. So I'm always focused on how do I honestly be lazier and get more out of the thing? Yeah because that's how I scale. So I've just innately thought like that. I, I do fall into the trap of being in it too much when I love what I'm doing. And yeah. that's where you just have to be careful because like podcasting, for instance, I, I could do this all day, every day, but you can get, you can get trapped in the sauce, as they say, because like, is podcasting your life, CJ? No, it is not my life. It is an aspect of my life. Yep. So if I just podcast all day and I don't clean my house and I don't fulfill my duties as a husband, like the podcast is going to get taken away from me because <laughs> then my wife's going to leave me and then things are going to fall apart. So it's like, we have to be very careful of like what the things we tend to love, we tend to overdo. And that, that ha happens to a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of business owners because you do love your business right. um, more than anything. So what I've transitioned, and this might help you, is if you view your business as like a baby or as a kid, it'll never grow up unless you let it have bumps and bruises on its own. Yep. Like if you keep, if you're constantly trying to protect it and band-aid it and do all these different things to make sure that it has zero risk whatsoever without you there, it's never going to grow up to the successful thing that it's supposed to be. And that's what's helped me a lot is like objectifying the business and cr yeah. actually creating an avatar out of the business as if it was like a human or a pet or whatever. And yeah. realizing that, you know what, like I am not thrive. I'm not thrive on life. I'm CJ. I just had this idea and like, it's just an idea. So if the idea goes away tomorrow, I'm still, CJ's still going on. I'm going to create another idea. And really, again, it goes back to the whole expectations. We get attached to things that we're expecting something to happen, right? Mm -hmm. But if I don't care that this thing gets taken away from me, because I know that I'm just going to have something else fall into place, yeah. then I'm actually going to operate at a better capacity because I'm not worried about losing it. And that's another thing that when parents, when you're worried about, the kid or whatever, you tend to like over grip. Yep. And in one of the podcasts I did, we actually talked about this. It's like swinging a baseball bat. Baseball is a great sport. The harder you swing and the harder you grip, the less likely you are to be able to hit the ball. Yes. The more loose you are and the more in tune you are. And the more you just go up there and just like, let it rip. 
you're going to do better. And that's the same thing with business is just like, let it rip, get up there, calm, cool, and collected. And if things, if you can kind of like lower your expectations um, and care more about like getting in that relaxed state and fulfilling that, you're going to do better. So I don't know if that was helpful, but for me, it's like objectifying the business and like really turning it into this is an organism or a thing. And the better that I can do to like feed the thing and let it go on its own, the better we're going to be. Love it. That's great. That is good. So getting back to the story now. uh, So you're once again, not in love with careers that you've chosen so far. So you decide, you know what, I'll go get my personal training certificates and something that's been so big in my life, you know, uh, fitness and athletics, I will start working uh, with others on. Yep. So it was kind of a natural, and this is what, this is the advice I give anybody that I'm coaching that's looking to start their own thing roll the ball downhill at first. A lot of people try to roll the ball uphill and dribble the ball uphill. Hmm. The ball just rolls downhill. Like you can't roll it downhill. You can't take a basketball and try to roll it downhill. It just goes. Okay. So where in your life do you have skills and a passion that kind of aligns where you can kind of just get your feet wet in business? And for me, I was already going to the gym. I already looked at my nutrition. I was an athlete. So I was already doing these things. And then I met a world where a lot of people started gaining weight and a lot of people are sitting at desks 10 hours a day and they have no clue what they're doing in the gym. So I would literally walk into work and people would ask, what do you do? Like, and I would start telling them and they'd say, okay, well, would you be willing to train me? At first I said, no, because I'd never looked into how much like could I make? Yeah. Then I had people offering me, Hey, I'll pay you 500 to a thousand dollars a month to coach me to, to lose weight. And then that's when I started really investing in myself into books and courses and learning about like how to make a a sales proposition for physical fitness and nutrition consulting. Yeah. And what I learned was that the winners of this world, what they do is they create a, a proposition where you find out what is it worth for that person to change their life. Mm. Is it worth a thousand dollars or three thousand or ten thousand or twenty thousand? To me, my life is worth a lot of money, a lot of money, right? So, what you want to do is find clients that if you work with me for five to ten thousand dollars this year, you're you're gonna make a higher salary, you're gonna have your health, you're gonna save money because you're not gonna get diabetes or Alzheimer's or anything like that anytime soon you're going to feel better. And the age old saying, you look good, you feel good, you feel good, you play good, you play good, you get paid good, right? That's going to happen. All you have to do is follow along with me. So as soon as I learned that, and then, oh, I was also in the engineering world. So I could talk to the people that had disposable income. Like I wasn't, I wasn't just a trainer. Um, I did fairly well right off the get-go. And that's when I started learning, okay, I like training, but what I like learning more is helping other people figure out how to do what I just did, because this is, this feels really good. One, I'm helping people Two, I'm making a dollar helping people three at the end of the day, this doesn't feel like work. And that was the most important thing to me. It was, it was exhilarating. And what ended up happening was, um, other people started asking me, how are you doing what you're doing? And that's really when I learned, okay, I'm going to help other trainers. And then other trainers would get me in contact with other business, small business owners. 
And I learned out really quickly that like where I kind of fit was I knew systems. So I knew accounting, finance, um, technology, social media. I knew how to like put everything together and make yourself like a, a one man, 10 person team. And a lot of people didn't know how to do that. So a great example was like, if they're a personal trainer, they're every single time they get a client, they're going to manually hand that person a contract, manually give them the app man, manually do everything. Rather, what I did was I'll put together uh, a Google drive and I'll have everything in 10 different folders. And then I'll have videos pre-created for them to watch. And then as soon as you get that next person, they just go right into the bucket and they're doing it themselves. And then you can get another person and then another person. So I'd figured out that, okay, I can pre-systemize everything. And I was naive because I thought everyone was, I was young, I was only 24. So I was thinking everybody was doing that. And I realized real quickly, oh shit, this is kind of like where I'm gonna take off because I kind of see this gap that most people don't see. And it was, it was really because I spent all those years in school and then also training like an athlete. So I found that niche. Um, yes. I was able to kind of just like roll the ball down a hill. Um, now today it looks completely different. I don't train any clients, anything like that, yep. but it like got me on, on, onto the game. Um, so anybody listening, find a way where it's like something that you're skilled in, that you're passionate about, and then mixing those worlds to kind of get off the ground at first. Yes. Well, in a phrase that comes to mind, as you said, that is what's common sense isn't always commonplace, right? Mm -hmm. uh, just that, that's just reality of it, right? What seems common sense to one person just isn't always a common practice for another. So that's good. That's a great, great one. I'm going to use that after this. You got it. Use it. Now for you, there was something within the health world, though, that really stood out to you. And that was your wife's dad. And then your aunt had had some health issues. And so that was something that just continued to be a driving force for you. So talk about the passion that can come from some of those life events for you. Yeah. So I'm, I'm happy you brought that up. Um, and we got a little bit into it prior because um, the story can kind of take a, a, a twist um, and become the whole thing. But I, I'm glad that it's not in, in this particular case um, because there's not, I, I always like to come off as careful because a lot of people might feel like they don't have their own story or feel like they have had anything happen to them. Um, and I wanted to make it known that like we all do and we all have our own story and, and things happen to all of us, regardless of if it's something crazy or not. Um, but unfortunately in my wife and I's life, like her father died of a heart attack in a spin class and he was an all American athlete. Um, in college. And uh, yeah, he was still playing soccer with 30 year olds and he was 53 when he passed away. Um, and then my aunt died of colon cancer when I was a, a kid um, and she left my two cousins. And the reason that that one hits home with me is I have celiac disease and other, I suffered with stomach problems my whole life. Um, and when I got into my mid twenties, um, I was bleeding. I literally was bleeding when I was going to the bathroom, which was pretty scary. And that's what made me start looking into my parents and asking questions about our family health and stuff like that. Um, so kind of having it on both sides and really taking a step back in my mid twenties and asking myself, damn, if I died tomorrow, like, is this what I wanted to do? Um, and fortunately the combination of people already asking me, Hey, do you want to 
like train, can I train with you? Can you coach me? Um, and then also having these conflicting feelings of, man, I went to engineering school and I spent all this money and I just, if I just don't want to do this, like, I feel like my, my life is worth more and I don't care if I make less money. I just want to be happier because my time could be at any moment clearly. Um, so that's how it kind of started. And that's how thrive actually started. Like the heart, the, the logo for thrive on life has a heart line in it an EKG sign. And that was from my wife's, uh, father. And, uh, our story goes way back. We've met each other when we were 10 years old. He was, um, the first dad I met, uh, of one of the girls that I hung out with when I was 10. Um, and so I still remember, I saw photos of, with him at, at that age and, when he passed away, I was actually in New York and she was in Houston and I wrote her a, an email and that's what started our communication back and forth. So the story really starts with his life kind of triggered me to start taking action. Yeah. And she had always been on my mind and I just took this action and wrote a letter and then we started rekindling um, our communication and then flash forward, I visited her and we were like, I think this is a thing. Um, and that just get, that just compounded, uh, confidence to just, okay, I'm going to go after what I want. And like, now I have this story and then I just thrive really just wants to be a brand to just inspire people to make every heartbeat count because there's so many people that drive to work every single day. And if that was your last day, you would be really pissed at yourself because you're yeah. just like, this is how I spent my last day. Um, and I know you have, we have responsibilities as, as adults, right? Yep. All I mean is that like, if you're driving to a job and you have no purpose of that job. So if your purpose is I'm driving to this job because my, my kids got to eat and I'm putting them through school and I'm, that's great. That's a great purpose. Like I will tell you that. Right. Yes. But if you don't have that purpose and you're just picking up fast food and just like, very mindlessly going through your life, then you need to look in the mirror and find that purpose because it is not worth your time, whatever it is that you're doing. And for Thrive, that's ultimately what that became was just a spearhead for me every single day, telling me yes or no, whether I should do these certain things. So even like conversations like this, I get fired up about because I know that I'm in the exact moment that I should be in. Uh, based on that brand that was started because somebody unfortunately gave up their life earlier than I wish they had, but it gave me an opportunity to help myself and then other people really wake up and, and make every heartbeat count. Yes. That's, mm, that's impactful, man. That is impactful. Now, with, absolutely. Now within your business, uh, you end up getting some you know, I would say interesting, but good partnerships like Gold's Gym and things like that. So talk about how those came about inside of uh, your business funnel. Yeah. So there's a saying we have at Thrive, strive together, thrive together. Um, we can go so much further together. And yeah. my buddy, Zach from Live a Great Story, he, he has a saying, rising tides lift all ships. Yeah. And I've been saying it a lot recently, especially this year, because um, people are so divided. Yeah. But um, the cool thing about living in Austin, Texas is a lot of people here live by the, the togetherness and then the rising tides lift all ships mentality where we just help each other out. And if you, no matter what industry you're in, if you're looking to get connected, there's somebody in that industry that will help you get connected with somebody else. 
Um, and for me, the, the biggest thing has always been about just serving without expectation. And that's another thing that I think when you have purpose, you just don't like, I just never care. Like I need money. Yes. I need like, there's career goals I have and stuff like that, but like, I've never really cared about the clout and about the bigger things. I think that a lot of people have, Mm. and that's because at a younger age, like things were taken from me that I don't think other people had taken from them. Like the getting prepped for colonoscopies at 22 is not normal for people. So going in there and seeing that and like going through that made me realize that, wow, there's, there's a lot more to life than like what I thought there was. Um, and the cars and the houses, none of that means anything like really at the end of the day. Um, it's just the time and the people that you're with. And when I learned that at such a young age, what it allowed me to do is just say, Hey, Phil, like, how can I help you? So on Instagram, like I just started connecting with a bunch of people. How can I help? What can I do? Um, so I was already in terms of like the golds of the world, everywhere I would go, I would just walk to the front desk and just meet people the owners. And the, if I was at local gyms, I would meet the trainers. Um, if I was at local coffee shops, talk to the people that were handed me my coffee and just kind of really just treating people like you gave a shit because I did. I, I, I love Austin and I was planning to be here for a while. And I, I wanted people to know that there's somebody here that actually cares. And Mm -hmm. I, I think that stemmed from, I wanted somebody to care and who better to do it than just yourself. Um, so I started community events and that's where kind of the biggest breakthrough for me was meeting Chris Devine from Roan. Um, he, Roan is a, is a men's athletic wear brand and now they're moving more into uh, corporate wear as well. Um, and loungewear. So like any guys out there, it's a men's menswear company. I highly recommend check it out. But Chris was out here. They were doing a little pop-up and I just asked him, Hey, how can I help? And he's the same type of guy where he'll connect you to so many different people and like just wants to help. And um, we kept connected and eventually like I became a road ambassador and now I'm a captain for them. And through that, I just got connected to so many different brands and different things um, and reason I'm going on this long winded story is, li- is just to tell people that, um, I never anticipated any of this. It all stemmed from like, like literally in 2016, 2015, I was showing up to a desk wearing a suit and a tie and was asking people, how can I help them above and beyond their job? And that's all, that's how it started. I just started asking questions. How can I help? And then one thing led to another and it just so happens. Like I love fitness. I love exercise. I think it's the one thing that connects all of us. I love going to a fitness class because different demographics, different people, different ages, different jobs, like connects all of us. Um, And it's something that I can do to help people live healthier and happier lives. And what the end of the day, the opportunities I've gotten are solely because I just asked, how can I help? Yeah, that's so good. It's so good. Yeah, when you are focused on others, it's a, it's amazing how many good things can come your way. But the other thing that you mentioned, I think is so important is you don't do it because you expect good things to come back to you, right? You do it just because you want to be a good person. But it's amazing 
how many times things come back to you when you have no expectations, you're just trying to help. Every time you expect it, it's, it's like, it, it's like, I, I don't know how to describe it, but if you, every time I found myself expecting something in life, I became tormented by my own brain. Mm. It took life from me. It didn't yeah. give me life. And yeah. that's what people don't understand is just like, you spend so much time up in your brain rather than actually living. It's not even worth the expectation then versus if I just live my life and I go, okay, today, what's on my agenda? How can I, how can I be a little bit better and maybe help somebody today? Yep. Right. It brings life to my life. And it's yeah. just like, at the end of the day, if that was my last day and be like, okay, that was a great day. And like, I made somebody else's, I made my life and someone else's life better today versus I could have spent the day expecting all these little things and like trying to play chess. And like, that's life taking all day, every day. And it's just exhausting. And I think that's how most people are literally going about their life from the moment we get into grade school to our job, to like, when we have kids, then they, then they start expecting things for their kids. And like, they start living their lives to try and get their kids in to do certain things. And it's just, I can't believe that we've gotten to that point, but I try to just be the shining light that kind of does things the opposite way where it's, I'm not going to give into that. I'm just going to figure out what, what is it that brings my, my life light today and just live by that. Absolutely, man. That's good. That's good. Now, as your business has continued to grow, evolve, develop, uh, not only are you coaching training, but I would say the title has become more like C-suite executive for companies, right? Um, so talk about how that transition came from, you know, more of like coaching, mentoring to, hey, I'm more like as needed CEO, COO of the company. Yeah. So just like everything else, it was just kind of being there at the right place at the right time. And then what our coaches used to tell us is just like the role of practice, because if you, if you show up to practice as a, this is just practice rather than no, this is actually the game. It's just, we haven't gotten to the game yet. So yeah. what I mean by that is like, when you get into the game, your body knows what to do if you practice hard, yep. like you're just naturally going to do it. Right. Yep. So in terms of business, I'd already learned how to build teams, learned how to communicate, learned how to captain because I was a captain of my teams. I've already learned these kind of things at a, a very young age. The corporate world helped me. I saw like I was a project manager. So I'm managing multi-million dollar projects at a young age. I kind of saw like what financial forecasting was and all these different things. And then I also, um, I'm not afraid to talk to people. So like I'll get mentors that are twice my age and like ask them questions and, and really reverse engineer down things. Oh. And what I started learning was that a lot of entrepreneurs and small business owners the first like five to 10 years, they're so heavy in building their thing that they didn't necessarily have the time to sharpen up the other skills that they needed. Right. Um, now, obviously there are a lot, there are thousands of people that don't fit into this bucket, Correct. but the majority, um, they all have families and, and things that they're doing. Like, so they don't have thousands of dollars spent on coaches. They don't have the free time to listen to every podcast or right. every audible right? They're just trying to build a business that they love and that supports their family. And that's cool. Where they lack then is just like in certain areas, we can't all be great. 
And that's where I got obsessed with like, how do I kind of like fill the gaps for these different people just to get them to the point where they can start filling those gaps themselves. Um, and I, I learned that it kind of suit my personality really well. Um, because if you ask me to work on something for a really long period of time, I just lose interest in it. But if you say, Hey, we have this three to six months, let's target this one specific problem. I love to attach myself to that. And then I also love the fact that I can like fill in multiple different areas. Right. And that also builds the number one thing that I love, which is relationships because they can trust me. So they can yeah. see that like, okay, I've, I'm doing it myself and I'm doing these other companies. Those people see that I'm doing it in those other companies. They then trust me and I get to have deeper relationships with people. And it becomes more about building something so that, they can spend more time with their wife or with yep. their kids. And that is really what has uh, fired me up these days is like, that's the type of projects that I'd like to work on. It's just like helping people kind of spend more time doing what they love um, and less time kind of being in the nitty gritty of everything. But again, it was for those out there, it was a progression of like, it started with me helping people with their social media accounts and like, picking up a camera and helping there. And then I realized, okay, they have no project management software whatsoever. Let me implement that in. And then helping them with, okay, they have no advertisement or marketing whatsoever outside of like maybe putting a blog up once every six months. So like, let's give them the strategy and then really just building trust by serving again. Um, and then once they trust, then you can kind of like over provide that value. And then, once you do that once or twice, they're going to refer you to other people. And that's kind of like what happened in my trajectory. So the thing that I would like to highlight most, just from what you said there and just the progression for you was if I came to somebody today and I said, Hey, in your early thirties, you're going to be able to be, you know, fractional CEO, COO of multiple companies. I think almost every 30 year old would, that has an interest in that would be like, heck yeah, I'm game. Like put me in. However, you didn't start there, right? You weren't the entry level CEO. It was, no, I started with handling social media and then I you know, moved to this section. And I think for a lot of folks, it's you have to have the willingness to start at a level to be able to progress to the ultimate spot, but you have to get started before you can get to that ending goal. 100%. I want to be, I want to clarify, like I also know my role as like CEO, CMO, CF, like I'm not... I'm not the guy that's going to run a hundred person company. Like that's yep. not what we're talking about here. We're talking about somebody that has a five to 10 person team or is completely automated. Meaning like from, for my podcast, people are in Vegas, New Jersey, South Africa. So I know how to run and manage remote teams. Um, I know how to build remote things. So it's just understanding who am I and what are my skill set. Now, could I run a hundred person? Yes, without a doubt in my mind, I'm confident in myself uh, to do that. But I've learned over the years of like what have I touched that I was like, eh, I don't really like that. Versus what is more me and what is me is like working with teams that are a little bit smaller and then optimizing those teams and optimizing everybody's role so that everyone's happy with what they're doing with their life, because that's what fires me up. I don't like how many people are not happy every single day that they wake up. So that's my, my mission. Uh, so I just wanted to clarify that. So that anybody listening to this, like 
CEO, quote unquote, takes on so many different facets depending on what type of business that you're in. But I'm a big believer we're the CEO of our own life, like yes. every single day. And too many people don't act like that and don't take ownership over it. CEO, what it really means is at the end of the day, it's always your fault. Complete ownership. So, mm -hmm. and I do take complete ownership over that. And even if I step into somebody else's company or help them, they know that's what they're going to get from me. That's good. Now talk a little bit about your podcast, uh, you know, what the, I guess, passion behind it is and uh, who you serve there. So it started um, as a, a, si a little side project where people, I'd be talking and I, I, would, I used to probably take three meetings a day um, at the local Whole Foods here and just meeting new people. And they were just like, dude, you need to, you need to turn these into podcasts. And it was one of those things, again, it kind of reminded me of when I was scared to go to the gym. I didn't want to put myself out there um, yeah. in that way. I, I liked the intimate conversations I was having with people and I didn't want to take away from that. But eventually I started thinking, you know what? Like, I'm just going to get a lav mic. I'm going to ask my one buddy, Fias, who's the CEO of Prep to Your Door. Amazing man, amazing company. Go check them out. Um, it just nominated him for Forbes 30 under 30. So Forbes oh, better cool. come through. Um, but he was like, dude, let's just do it. Let's just try it. So we got my phone uh, and we got a lav mic and we went to the roof top of Whole Foods. And you can literally, my first couple episodes, hear the birds chirping at Whole Foods as a recording is. And the reason I'm saying this is because I'm on episode like 116 now or 117, yeah. uh, two and a half years in. And anybody listening, like, Again, I didn't start with all the high-end gear and the things like that. Like I had my phone and a $30 little cheap mic and a friend. And all we did was start. And then immediately once I did record that first one, I was obsessed with how do I just make the next one a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. And I think today it exists as um, Thrive on Life is just a mission-based brand to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. So I bring on people like yourself who I we ask you questions and listen to your story. Hopefully someone connects with it and then they're willing to take a little bit more action to make every heartbeat count. That's really all that it stands for and all that it is. Um, and we just produce a bunch of content to help inspire people to take more action because I think a lot of people out there are super sharp, have a lot of knowledge and a lot of expertise that they could help the world with, but they just need that little bit of push. And we want to be that push for them. That's so good. That's so good. Well, CJ, I appreciate you being on today, brother, and sharing your story and the pivotal moments. I mean, I think it's so cool to look at the the sports side of it and then the engineering, you know, kind of more analytical side, how those two mesh together to really create the business and give you, you know, a unique entry point for business and now to see how it's grown. So uh, I can't wait to continue to follow your story. And uh, I mean, shoot, four, five, three, four, five years from now, you know, reconvene doing this again. And who knows uh, where you're going to be at? I mean, probably CEO of like, you know, a 10,000 person company. <laughs> I hope not, to be honest. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the real goal like is is to do more of it i i asked myself this the other day actually um less is more is one of the things i say to myself yeah. a lot and it's how do i do more of what i love to do and i want to have more conversations with people and, and educate 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 um that is something i'm super passionate about and it's something that i feel like i could 
be one of the best in the world at. And I would not have that opportunity if there weren't people like you, Phil, who give me, give me these opportunities. So I'm just extremely grateful. And if there's any way that I can help you or your audience, please let me know. And I'm definitely going to have to have you uh, come on our show as well. I'm still getting, I'm ramping up the, the digital side because we, yeah. we do ours in person. Um, but I'm trying to figure out how to kind of like make the, the digital experience a little bit better. Um, and then I'll have you on and we'll, we'll shoot the shit. I love it. I love it. Well, thanks again, CJ. Thank you, Phil.